Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by BetSperts. All right, let's uh, go to another dog team then. So I'll give you a countdown. Five, two. <laughs> Welcome that? to the deep dive. Andy, the Denver Broncos are up next. And boy, oh boy. High. That's what I was going with that. You were doing a what? I was doing the mile high, 5,200. Oh, five two eight two, and then oh. I forget. I couldn't remember if it was eighteen or eighty. It just broke my brain. But hey, what's what, uh, is... what's Russell Wilson's what's Russell Wilson's super cringe like? Get fired up, call. Oh, like, let's, um, let's when I Broncos, uh, Broncos country. Let's Broncos go. Country. I don't know when I when I text the phone emoji. That means I'm dialed in right now. <laughs> <Stop> tweeting. <laughs> I fucking I want to like you, and you're not making it easy on me, Mr. Oh my God. Wilson. The, cr- the yeah. cringe is uh, unbearable. It's unbearable. Um, all right, let's talk about the Denver Broncos, which are, is a really, really, really interesting handicap uh, because this is a team that has made the most dramatic quarterback improvement from year N minus one to year N. No, this is this of, of everyone's in this season. No court, no team has made a greater improvement in quarterback from last year to this year than the Denver Broncos, even the Colts, as much as I hate Wentz and as much promise as Matt Ryan has shown, this was a bigger deal. And like the, in a, in a particularly like in the old NFL, when Russell Wilson was winning Super Bowls in like 2012, when the quarterbacks just in aggregate, weren't that good. um, This is the, one of those moves that, like completely flips win probability for a whole conference but moving him to denver and into the afc west it's only enough to get this team from fourth to third (laughs) yeah and again like we said crazy 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 such an arms race and then you have the chiefs who you know already were sitting on a stockpile of cruise missiles they didn't even need to really get (laughs) too involved but yeah just a, a crazy arms race against a bunch of Really, really, really tough adversaries, and yeah, this was a, this was what the Raiders probably should have had. And actually, if you look at uh, Pythag, the Raiders probably should have won seven games. This team did win seven games, and they're reminiscent of the Panthers team we talked about a couple weeks ago. Whereas, hey, this team's three and zero. Maybe Teddy covers can lead a team to the playoffs, and then it's like, oh, it was the Giants, the Jags, and the Jets. And they only won four more games for the entire rest of the year. Part of that because of some injuries, most notably Teddy, who, again, we're never going to be excited about Teddy for a, like a super high-end ceiling guy. But he is much, 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 much better, much than Drew Locke. Drew Locke is just probably not an NFL quarterback. I, it just still, a th- I don't know if he he's like... God, who's a tight end down in New Orleans? Taysom Hill. He's like Taysom Hill, or it's like, why why is this guy getting another shot? What are we doing with Drew Locke out in, the, in another team? And maybe he doesn't even start the season, but Drew Locke was real bad. They fired Vic Fangio. We kind of called that a couple years ago, where it's like, I don't think he's ever going to be able to take this team to do anything. And and to be fair to be fair to Vic, he really didn't have great luck. He didn't get 
uh, the support from the front office to get him the quarterback he needed. Like when they could have gone out and did other things, they went and got Teddy. I mean, that's not like a vote of confidence. Like, hey, we're ready to compete this year. So, and then in the off season too, they, they did what I guess everybody supposed was just a preclude to Aaron Rodgers coming to town and got Nate Hackett. I really thought that was like, I was semi-believer in that. I thought maybe that was a thing. It was the second straight year that that was going to be a thing. But yeah, this this was a team that traded away a Hall of Famer midseason. Like there was some strong give up in this team. Yeah. And and they knew it was like a reset. And I guess I was again, it's another team that I'm just surprised. Like the Devontae thing surprised me. It's like, oh, they're going for it. And then the Broncos, it's like, oh shit, they're going for it. Like, <laughs> do, do they not know what you know division they're in which i guess fuck it like if you're gonna if you're gonna go for it go for it and russell wilson probably makes a big 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 difference i don't know your any other thoughts on 2021 it was not a really newsworthy noteworthy season i no, have a lot to say about it no the beginning was the funny part where they literally played the three worst teams in the nfl besides the texans <laughs> and they won all three and people were fired up about them and they went off as a pick em, i think against the ravens is that right it was like that game that week four was like, we're going to finally learn something about these guys. And the Ravens beat the ever loving shit out of them. Um, and then you kind of knew what you had. Uh, and yeah, I mean, Teddy covers sort of uh, not a guy that I'm like, you know, yeah, you said it right. Like I was never dying to build around him, but he was a lot better than Drew Locke. And then Drew Locke experience was a disaster when he had to come in uh, and take reps. I think Drew Locke, yeah, he was, uh, other than the rookies, he was the uh, worst graded quarterback that I had that played, that started at least three games last year in the NFL, uh, which is not great. Because, um, like, guys like Trevor Simeon are on that list. <laughs> so, uh, not good. Um, the uh, the general, uh, looking at their roster, um, I was surprised when I went through my grades on these guys to see who, would, like, the big contributors were. They were almost all defense. And they were not guys whose names you would really know off the top of your head either. Um, they got a really solid year of production out of seventh round pick from the Raiders, Shelby Harris. He played great for them as a D end. Uh, their most valuable player overall on this roster was Justin Simmons, uh, the free safety. Uh, he was he had, incredible. He had like last 80 year. tackles. Like, he was incredible. Yeah. He was he was a he was they got good safety play. Yeah, they really did. Like, yeah, as and, a whole. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And their cornerback room, Jackson. their cornerback room is good too. Uh Sertain and Kareem Jackson are both like those are both bona fide guys. Uh, linebacker Malik Reed I had as a, a above average grade. Um defensive tackle was a problem for them. Uh, Bradley Chubb only starting seven games was a problem for them. They really expected him to be like a big time difference maker yeah. uh and yeah when you when you ship von miller and chubb chubb is unavailable uh and you know now you're all of the, everything in your pass rush rests on shelby harris doing his job you know that, that's that's tough um so i didn't mention anything about any offensive players there which says the offense was kind of stinky last year um i mean your best your brightest spot is probably rookie running back javante williams yikes yeah the, 
the offensive line was pretty weak, but not like stinks out loud bad. Garrett Bowles is Garrett Bowles. Cushionberry was, you know, was fine as the center, but not great. Um, yeah, Bobby Massey I had as a passing grade. Everybody else I had as below. Um, yeah, no wide receivers were mentioned so far. Jerry Judy so far has been pretty much a bust. Tim Patrick was not like amazing, but what were you even expecting out of him? And now he's hurt this year, so he's not a factor. Cortland Sutton didn't have a bounce back year last year like a lot of people thought he would. Um, he ended up starting 16 of their 17 games, but just did not make much of an impact for whatever reason. Tight end Noah Fant was a bust. Um, yeah, like basically the entire offense last year busted. <laughs> Every player. And maybe that was because of the quarterback, but you know, I think I think they're just maybe not that talented. Yeah, I want to give them, and that's where I'm at with this team. I'm giving them probably the benefit of the doubt because of the quarterback play. And that brings us to, can a quarterback elevate a team like this? We've seen quarterbacks elevate teams. We've seen a team lose a quarterback and just, it's like, oh man, it was really on the, I mean, we we just talked about how much we thought uh, Derek Carr was responsible for some of the good things we saw to that offense and that team in general. And I mean, Teddy's respected. I don't think Teddy's like someone you wouldn't like, or, you know, the teams talk shit about him. We've, we, there are quarterbacks. It's like, oh man, this guy just, nobody liked him in the locker room. Nobody was you know, rallying to get behind this guy, but it's, it's just, you didn't have a, a high talent level at the quarterback level. And then you had Drew Locke for part of the season. So maybe, you know, we always talk about like, oh, how many young, talented receivers they have, but we've just never seen them put it all together. And if they truly do have all this unlocked potential, then holy Christ, watch out. And again, Tim Patrick was part of that, and he's now out with an ACL, but they still have, you know, three good receivers. And a Fant, I think, has some potential to be unlocked as well, too. I don't think any of these guys is like, on on watch for you know some sort of outstanding you know 1500 yard season or like eye-popping numbers and we're talking about them to be offensive player of the year but i think as a whole it's like some of the parts and again you talked about the offensive line not great names but good enough like this this offense is good enough where if russ can come in and we find out like holy christ like he was just held back for so long like uh, the make or let Russ cook thing is really a thing. And he can take a, a bunch of younger players to the next level. It could be a good offense. I'm because I just, how many times did I say if in that long model, <laughs> there's probably times. just too many, <laughs> too many ifs in there for me to just say for sure. Like, you know, Judy and Sutton are going to be very good because they just haven't had a quarterback. Like that's a, that's a possibility. I just don't, I mean, how many of those things need to happen for them to be a team that can compete to win this division? That's a bunch of them. I love Russ. I really, uh, you know, he's not going to run and scramble as well as he did when he, you know, even five years ago, but he's still got it. And any stats he used from last season are highly flawed. Just because oh, yeah, they sure. rushed Throw out everything. Throw out everything him. after the injury. Throw it but, yeah, they rushed him back, and he looked like hot garbage. So, uh, Russ is, I mean, you can't really grade Russ without grading 
even in a forward-looking sense, like we're trying to do as a prediction, you can't really just grade Russ. You have to grade Russ and the offense. Like, can a person of his age come into a new system like this and just elevate all these guys who are supposed to be good enough for this team to win? Because how many teams, how many games does this team have to win to win the division? Minimum. Uh, Eleven. Yeah, there is a doomsday scenario where like all these teams win like 10, 11 games. Yeah. But yeah, it's 11, or 11 with a tiebreaker or 12 is where I'm at. Okay. Yeah. I mean, realistically, you need to win 12, but I think it could, you said minimum. I think 11 could win this division. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dan's just the wide receiver who played quarterback because of COVID wasn't that much worse than Locke. It's funny, yeah. the running back, um, I can't remember who the running back was that, actually got the start but a running back took the first snap so he took the loss as a you know a quarterback <laughs> as a starting quarterback because right. he he took the first snap ahead of uh he had the, the uh, a kendall hinton guy he was the pitcher of record in that one but uh <laughs> and and also failed to mention in all of this too is you no longer have a defensive-minded head coach in charge of this offense sure. this team in sure. general and you no longer have pete carroll in charge of uh, Russell Wilson's, you know, level of potential as well. So, uh, uh, I don't know. Like, we'll, we'll find out a lot about Hackett too. He brought in, uh, he brought in Justin Outen, which was just another guy he brought. It's the same thing as what we saw in Raiderland, where it's like Hackett's going to call plays, and he brought in a guy from Green Bay with him. It was a uh, an offensive lineman uh, play, played offensive lineman at Cuse. That's what I have for a long time ago. They said he will be up in the booth as you'll see Hackett oh, okay. wants to use him. Like Hackett obviously be on the field. You're never going to see a head coach up the stairs, I no. guess, but no, he never. said he really wants to be able to use him and as like a, you know, watching the game from up there and being a big part of in-game decision-making or adjustments. So we'll find out he's all about, Okay, so let's put a bow on the corny new quarterback. Uh, Russell Wilson is very, very, very tough to uh, cheer for <laughs> because he's so corny. Uh, even though he's a good guy by all accounts and is doing good, you know, he's he's doing right by his team. He's a team player. Uh, he obviously like he's like quirky. I I think I guess he's just quirky, and that works in Seattle. Probably works in Denver. But a new team, it's going to take a little bit of adjustment for, you know, for him to really have like the voice in the locker room that people are kind of rallying behind, I guess. Um, and Hackett being a new coach in there at the same time is interesting. So there's not like an established leader already. They're going to be kind of jockeying for that, I suppose. Or Hackett's going to, you know, do whatever he can to make sure the players are bought into the Rust system and you know his his you know the way he wants to operate. Um, I'm. When it comes to quality of play for him, I gr completely agree. You throw out everything you got from Russ from the after the foot finger injury on last year because it was never right, and because he came back too quickly. Um, and I'm also okay suspending some of the perceived underachievement of the Seattle Seahawks with Russell Wilson as more a fat function of Pete Carroll and Brian Schottenheimer and some of the mistakes that they were making in terms of play sequencing and play design. Uh, rather than Russell Wilson, you know, in any way slipping uh, in terms of his performance or his potential with one exception. And this is what spooks me about yeah. Wilson this year. 
and you tell me if I'm crazy, but Usually. the worst performance we saw from Russell Wilson came not after his finger injury in terms of recent career. His worst performance Vikings was game? the First playoff half of the game Vikings against game? the Rams. Oh, God, yeah. that the too. playoff game against the Rams. That was bad news by him. And what was unique about that game is that was at a time where defensive coordinators, Staley in particular, was designing plays with the too high safety concept. With the idea of we are going to take away the deep stuff and force you to operate over the middle of the field in the short intermediate area uh, and, you know, basically take away the home run threat, which is what when Russ was cooking, that was what was happening. He was just absolutely electric hitting DK Metcalf, you know, down the field, you know, moving the sticks with deep passes, high degree of difficulty passes to lock it, uh, you know, and, and in general making some plays with his legs along the way, like he was a dynamic factor, uh, you know, on, on the offensive side of the ball, independent of Pete Carroll running a garbage offensive system um, until he ran into the two high safety. <laughs> and I worry a bit that that being sort of the hot trend in all defensive coordinating rooms across the NFL is a potential problem in terms of late career Russ Wilson looking anything like what we saw from this guy in the in the 2010 teens. Um, and I am I will be happily proved proven wrong because it will be entertaining as shit football if these guys are going toe to toe and score for score with the likes of the Chiefs and the Chargers this year. But yeah, I'm worried about it because there's a there's a like there's a narrative explanation for why the too high safety is so effective against him. And you know what I'm going to say, right? It's because he's too damn short. Yeah. And he's, he just never really wants to, degrees. he really, ne- he doesn't really want to operate in the portion of the field where you can find space against that type of defense. So it's a little kryptonite for Russell Wilson. Yeah. Well, just, yeah. This, this team. This whole division is going to be a lot of us being wishy-washy. I don't have like really, really strong takes on a single team this division. Honestly, like still listen Wednesday. I'll have some hot takes. Don't worry. I was just kidding, guys. But uh, final thoughts for me on possible. If you got to throw out a shitty conspiracy theory, I get to two. Okay. Uh, motivation for Hackett to get the most out of Russell Wilson. Do you know what I'm going to say? No. Hackett's father who was part of the Bill Walsh 49ers teams, uh, coached under him, got himself a ring, was fired as the USC head coach when they wanted to let an NFL coach take over. And that NFL coach was... Mr. Pete Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll put his dad out of a job. So if we can revive revive late career Russ... And really stick it in Pete's eye. We get a little uh, little revenge for the old man. Oh, Andy, that's a good. I just I, that's a I good just stumbled dig. on that. It made me laugh that's so a hard. Good dig. Um, no, yeah. but no. That you, I, I, I think the concern is real though about the too high safety thing because you're in a division with Pat Mahomes, yeah. who, which is what that was designed to stop. Which means everybody in your division is. Yeah, we're already we're already practicing this. We're already thinking teams. about that. Yeah, and you're in the division with Brandon Staley, who who stuffed it down your throat uh, when he was the D coordinator with the Rams. And so you're going to get that twice this year. Um, and so the, the idea that Russ has solved 
scares me from being more bullish on what is otherwise a humongous upgrade for this team, which tends to mean big, big, big improvement in win, you know, in, in overall win win loss performance. Typically, this is like uh, an easy call. This team is going to be great, and people don't see it because they just aren't really correctly grading how big of an improvement you got from this quarterback change. So. I wanted to be more excited about the Broncos than I am this year, but ultimately Russ being solved is not something that I have. I haven't figured out one way or the other, whether Russ has more magic left because again, Pat Hackett and what he got, you know, Pat Hackett, he revived late career Aaron Rodgers. Like Aaron Rodgers was so that, washed. That, <laughs> he was that, that's what washed I was gonna with period. <laughs> and our, our biggest you know, unknown yeah. for this team that is not um you know russ wilson straight up just russ wilson is hackett like that is that is the most important thing and i guess we were high on hackett in jacksonville and then i don't know that team really just didn't compose itself like a team where it's like hey we should be looking at this it was, guy it was, it was blake bortles though right it was a blake bortles thing but he he got picked up to go up to Green Bay with, and he, I think he was, and people have said this, he was a big part of kind of getting Rodgers back in line. Not, and I, I, I don't think that's the right wording. It's not like you were able to disciplinary and Aaron Rodgers, but I think he, he was a big part of getting him to buy in. That's probably a better way to put that. Okay. To, to be what he was these last two years, and God, what was the? I, I wrote this down too. It's from the football outsiders um and hackett is reportedly among the select company of humans that aaron Rodgers likes and trusts along <laughs> with joe rogan jake kumaro randall cobb and a few a few ayn rand novel protagonists that line made me laugh pretty hard but like rogers doesn't like anyone and um like the fact that he did have some sort of a a positive relationship with hackett and hackett seemed to get a lot out of him I think a lot of that was Hackett, maybe not as so much Lafleur. It, it it makes me feel positive about Nathaniel Hackett again, without ever seeing again. We were leery about a guy who's actually coached as a head of coach in the in the NFL and has spent a good chunk of his career with Bill Belichick and a yeah. great front office, like who should have absorbed massive knowledge. And we're like, just don't know. Maybe the guy is a great offensive coordinator, can't do it as a head coach. So it forces me to not be able to be super positive on, again, the biggest unknown. Uh, how will he be as far as running this team? And like I said, I talked about the, the OC is – going to be up in the booth helping but he's going to be the head coach who also calls plays and to your point about the rams though they their dc was somebody they swiped from the rams so that is you know okay. someone who's had some intimate knowledge of how that defense operated and did a lot with a uh, little depth let's say so hopefully you know, maybe this defense can take a step. That and that my two biggest unknowns are Hackett and it's like, will the defense get what they want out of a bunch of these players that they haven't so far yet? And if that mm. stuff happens, they can compete. But this team probably has more what ifs than the Raiders. Like yeah. if I was if I didn't just have it in my head that I was gonna put these in order by betting odds when I did it, yeah, I would have put I would have put the Broncos as fourth. 
Ooh, really? Ooh. Um, the list of unknown quantity in car. The list, yeah, right. The list of unknowns for me with the Raiders is uh, is long. I agree. Um, I am the most. I guess the unit that looks the strongest to me on paper is their secondary. I think this is going to be a very solid and reliable pass defense from a, uh, you know, just in general lineup and prevent your opponent from getting an outrageous lead on you by, <laughs> by hitting home runs uh, and or prevent your opponent from coming back on you if you have a lead, right? Like this is, it looks like a team that should be able to protect a lead because of the strength of the pass defense. Um, and then, you know, I guess, uh, fuck, I really don't know what to make of Bradley Chubb. I don't know if he'll ever realize the, um, he's going to stay healthy first. Yeah. I don't know if he'll ever realize the potential there or not. Similarly with Randy Gregory, he might've cashed in on what was uh, a fluky season or fluky couple seasons there. Um, tough to really, really get excited about him. Um, and yeah, there are there are other issues on this defense that look problematic. Like the run defense is not great. Like some teams, if they have a lead against them, are going to be tough to get off the field. You're going to have a tough time keeping, you know, the likes of the Chiefs from just sitting on the clock, sitting on the ball for six minutes at the end of the fourth quarter and not ever even giving you a chance to come back. You know, like there's a couple of those scenarios that spook me about the Broncos getting wins because of the run defense questions I have with these guys. Um, and then offensive line, fine. Not writing home about how excited I am to uh, to see these guys block, but it's not like Russell Wilson has ever really had a good offensive line, so who really cares? Uh, running back room, no questions for me there. That's a good unit. Uh, but the wide receivers I do have some questions about, and that's probably like, you know, the, the Hackett plus – Wide receivers with potential plus Russell Wilson finding a little bit of, um, you know, finding a little bit of a, a what do you call it? Um, the anti-aging, you know, kind of vibe. Oh, the Tom Brady lotion. Sure. He gets some Tom Brady lotion. Hackett turns out to have great scheme and these wide receivers were all ready to pop. And all of a sudden this is a top 10 offense and this is now competing for an AFC West. Um, but that's their ceiling, and a lot of those have to go right. Where did DJ Jones grade out for you? I'm looking at the like the inside of the line. I think I think you <sighs> could have great. a good, you could have a goodish offensive or defensive line, and then DJ like if, if Bradley Chubb is healthy and plays good, like that's just bonus. And then again, the Randy Gregory thing has to work out a little too, but. It's kind of like the offense. We're talking about a bunch of guys like if Bradley Chubb is healthy, if Randy Gregory isn't washed, if DJ Jones just needed to find himself in a better position, you know, if we get the same kind of play out of the safeties and the corner, I think the corners are all right. Like, was Jones on San Francisco last year? That's why I can't find it. Okay. Yeah. I, there's yeah. a Draymond Jones that I had graded on, uh, oh, on DJ Jones. DJ like, Jones was, he was a nine, right? Yeah. Yeah. He was in there last year. Okay. Let me see what my grade on him is. Because Draymond Jones, I have his replacement, exactly the replacement level. Um, but that's what you expect out of a third year DT. Um, sorry, I'm pulling up DJ now. Oh, no worries. Um, 
that's kind of my last i wasn't honestly all that excited so what's it so what are your what's your read on the wide receiver room do you agree or do you have if 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 i'm 20 60 20 on the wide receivers room 20 percent that sutton never doesn't really have it jones is you know judy is a bust and they don't have a great third option is 20 percent of my prob 60 percent of my probability is that these is an average unit and less ex, less excellent unit than uh than russ has had in seattle over the last handful of years and then 20 percent that all these guys are ready to pop and that this is like good chemistry with russ where are you on that on that spectrum probably 20 like what you said like 20 60 20 like so it's almost like hitting a parlay like all the wide receivers have to meet some level of potential and one of the four is already injured and fant in that maybe alberto but uh it's it does feel like hitting a parlay for this wide receiver room to be as good as even what we're seeing in oakland and i have a really oakland, good grade on i mean DJ Jones, by the way yeah <laughs> i have a great i have a really good grade on dj jones uh, I didn't realize, yeah, uh, but he was on a really good line. Good in the middle. Like, was that, that's really where, good I'm, like, that's where again, it's a question to, mark. Yeah. Like you come to a different team, different, are you still going to be plugging up the middle and getting pressure up the gut? But um, yeah, take a peek yeah. at who they play. Cause here's the thing. <clears throat> now we say this and we do this every, you know, time we get to a new division or like, Hey, these it's pretty similar because they all play the same kind of teams. Denver's is easier because it's a fourth place schedule. Yeah. Yeah. So they got, they got, yeah, they got the benefit of that. They still have to play, you know, the teams in the division. So it's tough, but they get a bunch of these games in, in kind of nice spots. They get Indy to come up to come up to Denver on a short week. Like they get the jets here, Jacksonville, I guess maybe that's not the best spot having to travel there for a, a 9 a.m. Is that a is that a London game? Yeah, it is. Okay. So you get the weird at least they took the bye after like don't give me a rookie head coach not taking the bye after a London game. So you get the <laughs> London game uh where it's not a true road game against Jacksonville, though Jacksonville has got to be pretty comfortable there at this point. And then the Carolina game later in the season where maybe they're playing a rookie quarterback at that point, or maybe Darnold's in. God knows what's happening there. Arizona, I don't have – I still don't have rated that highly. So it's, it's tough because you still play those teams and you still play Baltimore. You still play the Niners, which – how are they – and maybe we've just bought too much into the Lance stuff, but that number seems a little off. Yeah, so I'm does the sh- Indy one. They're three-point – Three-point uh, favorites against Indy? Early in the season at altitude is a little bit of a bump. But I don't know. The, the favorite versus the Niners, huh? Yeah, I might have weird. To, after we talk this team for like 30 minutes, I kind of want to bet against them a little bit here. Well, they're going to – gonna. there's no reason to rush, Andy. Walk, don't they, run. These guys are gonna. These guys are gonna take care of business. Week one and week two. Seattle and Houston. Is there a softer start to anyone's season? Not really. <laughs> Unless you get to play Houston twice. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. 
um good travel spot for you against houston on top of that like yeah no 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 no. this is uh this is a team that i think thumps their opponents twice and then you maybe could get three for the niners although the you know what i forgot niners starts off too the niners start with uh someone's oh has got to go chicago yeah hmm hmm Niners start Chicago, Seattle. Is that right? I think they do. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, so. On the half, yeah. Tight game week one and then 38-3 week two. And then this team's mm-hmm. 2-0. Oh. Russ is leading the rallying cry. It's Broncos country. And then the Niners pass rush wrecks him. Yeah. And... Uh, I don't know the rest is history. Yeah, there there'll be some spots to bet against this team if they come up, even like coming off the bye. And I'm not yeah. a Tennessee guy, but man, coming off the bye on a road game like that, where you might be able to get uh, Tennessee at a dog price if they're not playing the best. A lot of these divisional games, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying I, I hate to like say I'm going to bet against teams. Uh, repeatedly because I never know how I'm going to have them rated later in the year, but it feels like a team I might be betting against if uh, there's any buy-in from the market on the Russell. Uh, I don't want to call it the Russell Wilson experience experiment. He's good. Like he's still good. Yeah. It's not going to be an, the odds fit being an abject disaster seem pretty low. Very low. Yeah. Very low. Um, I just yeah, feel no, like they're going to be, it's going to be a middle no. of the pack team. Like this is yeah, a, this is, this is this... a eight, nine, nine and eight. We agree on that. And I'm probably not going to bet on much this year one way or the other. I think that's where I'm at. They should beat the crap see, out of the Did you see Femi's comment here? Jesus. <laughs> I'll be Denver, week, Denver two. week two if I make it that far in Survivor. Well, week one's a little tricky, but yeah. Week one is a minefield. It's a good spot. I've been there. Yeah, it's a good... Think, I mean, any positive. Look, you... If, if you know, when are you going to use Denver early in the season when the altitude really just thunderfucks yep. the other team. And that is a great spot for it. <laughs> so, Isn't this how we felt about the Rams the year before? We had a little bit of a Rams quantity in the, the Rams had more like top end talent. Like, see, like that's where, that's where I'm fundamentally stuck with these guys. They have middling talent. Like there's no, like there's no one, and a coach we don't really know about. And a coach we don't really know about. Like, there's there's no one on this roster who I'm like, oh, if I'm oh. if I'm if I'm starting a franchise, and I need to fill like one position, who's a guy that I desperately want to go get? Uh, there's not really any of those guys on this squad, right? No, there's no elite difference maker outside of Russell Wilson. And my questions about him are already on record, so. Um, you know, I'm not like a free safety. What what good is it having the best free safety in football, Andy? Does that matter? <laughs> Minnesota I mean, it doesn't hurt you, but has had some good safeties over the years. They haven't won a lot. Yeah, what good does it have? Does it what good does it do you if you have Javante Williams in a uh, in a uh, uh, running back by committee? <laughs> like, like get you any wins? I don't know. Like they should, you know, we'll we'll wait till we get to betting plan of attack, I guess. But, um, yeah, the roster is the roster is lackluster. They haven't been drafting well. Let's look at their odds. 
Patrick has a good point. How can coaching not be an upgrade from last year? I mean, there's still a chance that he's just completely lost as a new head coach. And it's not sure. better than Vic Fangio. Like uh, that happens a lot. It's uh, I don't Kingsbury still trying. I don't really know how bad yeah. Vic Fangio was. Like I don't Cliff, think that was yeah, ever the Cliff answer. Kingsbury but, still trying to figure it out. You know. Yeah, I mean Fangio just never really was given all the pieces, and then they had some bad injury luck as well. But it, it should be. I hope it. I believe it will be. But it's still yeah, it's still a question mark. The Broncos. So these odds are seventeen low. to one to win the Super Bowl. Not, not for my money. No, thank you. Not great, Bob. Um, they are eight plus eight fifty to win the AFC. I would need well over ten to one to think about that price. They are plus two sixty to win the AFC West. Uh, even that is not enough. That needs to be like three to one ish to make the playoffs. Yes, is minus one forty six. Uh, that no price is tempting. Plus one twenty. I'm not really into laying that type of price for a season long bet like this, but. I don't know. No, FC so damn crowded. Bet against the team instead. So damn crowded. Uh, regular season win total over nine and a half is minus one thirty-five. So this somebody's been out there betting this team. And I mean, Russell Wilson winning ten games, you can basically write it in pen. He does it every freaking year. It feels like so maybe that's what the enthusiasm is. I don't know, but that's for over nine and a half to be minus one thirty-five. Juiced is uh, that doesn't seem right to me. Um. God damn. Yeah, if I had to bet one thing, we talked ourselves into a pickle here, Andy. We should be betting these guys under. One thing it would be it would be plus the plus money no on the playoffs. And again, I don't like those. If I I've talked about this, if I'm going to invest in season long anything, it needs to be a wild ass price on a you know a long shot that I think is way too long for an award, even though I did bet some Olave at 12 to one, which I regretted immediately. I just fell in love with the guy too much. It's like the one I'd look at all the time in my tracker and get mad about, but it has to be that or a really sizable edge on a win total where I'm dabbling a little in the alts as well. So it's tough for me to say like plus 120 is just such a banger that I need to bet that for no. <laughs> but yeah, if I did bet this team, it would be an under in the regular season win total. And it's hard to, bet against a guy like Russ Wilson in that market. So really yeah, not looking uh, at anything, anything here. No, Russell Wilson has made it getting to that 10 win mark somewhat of a habit. Uh, last year I'm throwing out again because of the injury, but uh, that was only the second time in his career. He has had fewer than 10 wins in a season. And this was when back in the day when we had 16 games, not 17. So like guy, he does he does have a flair for the dramatic. He does have a flair for getting those hard fought close wins. Um, and if that's the way they want to play the game this year, so be it. Uh, I won't be involved one way or the other. I don't think. Yeah. Um, betting plan of attack <clears throat> in the primetime games. If the Broncos have a good game plan, if there's chemistry developing between Wilson and these wide receivers between Wilson and the coach, uh, I will happily back them in a second half spot because they have a solid running attack. And to me, at least they look like a team that can put away um, an opposing team. That's trying to come back through the air, right? In an obvious passing situation, these, those, that's the secondary I want out on that field. So I feel so like, like they're a decent second half seeing, that was the lead. 
yeah, if you're seeing anything out of this team, we've talked about a couple teams like this where it's like, hey, this team is leading at half and they are a second half underdog. You believe like, and I'd need to see, I'd need to learn about hacking a little. Like what is his, uh, you know, what's his thought what process? What are his in-game like? adjustments? Yeah, his in, what's yeah. his in-game stuff look like? But Is his team I playing love... better EPA per play in the second half and the first half? You know, that kind yeah. of stuff. I love betting that at a dog price with a decent chance at a push where, you know, teams up by seven going in the second half and they're a, a two point underdog and get a little dog price on them. Oh yeah, I would do that. And again, it would be depending on a lot of the unknowns coming through and me liking what I see out of Hackett. And it, the thing is too, you got to make some snap decisions. It's not like I'm going to get 40 games of Hackett to make these decisions on. Like it's, it's going to be pretty early on, but yeah, it, uh, it's a team that's, like you said, the defense probably is a, a one of the better defenses in the league as far as we're playing with a lead. We can stop the pass. Yeah, it looks... We should have a decent pass rush, and we have a decent secondary. And it's not what it once was, this uh, storied Broncos defense of years past, but I wouldn't mind that. Yeah. Chubb, a healthy season out of Chubb helps me with that opinion even more, right? Randy Gregory um, coming in and just like playing well immediately. Yeah, that would be a big deal for sure. What's what was my Randy Gregory career? I want to look at his career. Uh, uh, I don't know. Make of that guy. I don't either, really. He's just kind of like he was a zero in Dallas for four years. He was he was a zero, and then exploded last year statistically, but really didn't. Uh, really didn't move the needle much in terms of like an all around player performance. So I think he might not be very good. Somebody's asking about uh, Javante over 925 rushing yards. I don't know what the, I'd have to talk to my fantasy guys to ask what the split is with uh, Melvin. I I don't know about uh, betting running back overs. um, Usually bad. Yeah, because injury risk is real. Just there, there's so much injury risk, and just all it takes is missing like two games for like if a court if a running back has an high ankle sprain, the under caches because like yeah. that's a that's a three week injury, and you're just not going to get there. Yep. There's so many there's so many ways to get to the other, and I, I believe that was the one too where someone had said they'd run the old numbers, the closing numbers at Pinnacle for like five years. It's like if you bet the and these were for single games, but that's a derivative of the full tournament or the full tournament, full season uh, rushing totals. If you bet the unders in those running backs just blindly at close for like five years, it was profitable, despite how high the juice is on player props. Like running backs numbers are usually a little inflated. No, take that with a grain of salt, but yeah, and 70 30 with Gordon maybe gets him there. I'm, I'm, Probably never ever betting a running back over. <laughs> There's better I have things a couple you unders. Your money. I, I'm not yeah. laying minus one fifteen on Stevens. No, I'm trying to think of better ways here. to attack yeah. that. Maybe if you like him, just maybe get him in best ball. To... Yeah, get him in some best. Well, ball. and there's some ways to attack that early in the season with some of his his game totals. If you think it's against a good a good matchup as far as the the opposing defense, I don't know. There's a lot of ways to look at that. Those are just those are tough for me to grab because again, like, oh, he got turf toe. Well, you're fucked. Like you lost. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I agree with all that. I, yeah, I think uh, playing the season long player props is under or four pass. 
for almost everything. Someone's asking how you make player rankings. I think some of it's just composite of um, some people who are actually better at making player rankings. I know that plays yeah. part in the rankings. Yes, that's almost entirely it. <laughs> some of it, is, some of it is box score. It, it's I'm I'm effectively using a compo- like a, the composite of what PFF does for grade game grades. Uh, yep. and uh, what pro football reference does for approximate value uh, and then adding a layer of just box score EPA differential, which I think is use- useful. Um, the um, uh, It's almost impossible to, to correctly divorce the contributions of everyone, especially on defense. Like that's a really weird black box to kind of give credit for a good defense to the different players. Um, but uh it's uh uh if you're just looking at pff grade and you're just and combine that with approximate value on pro football reference then that's a great starting point um i wish there was like a darko for football players there's not <laughs> and it would be cool if there was there's and i thought about i thought about it a lot this summer trying to basically um emulate that like can you do a darko regression for using box scores but it's, uh, there are a couple of hiccups that we don't need to get into today and nfl and nfl individual player grades no matter how good are going to have a ton of noise yeah there's and i know i know pff tries so hard to do it's almost like in the baseball uh stats where you see this is you know defense independent stats similar to that where it's like hey we we have to adjust for what he had to account for on that play but it's still still a lot of it is subjective it's it is subjective like that's part of the there's people that that's their job is you know doing their that's why i like a blend of pff and pro football reference because pro football references the way i understand it is entirely quantitative box score driven and pffs is entirely subjective eyeball test but uh, subjective, so, but they try to be subjective with a high level of consistency. Yeah, right. Sure. Which is sure takes some of the sting out of something being subjective. But no, that's a good question, and it, it's really hard. But a minor, yeah. Femi says circumstances matter so much. Like it just if he gets put hung out on an island by you know uh, another person not sealing the edge, that's where. You know, the that's where the subjective grade is going to be better on that play because they're able to say, like, yeah. oh, man, he got, got just fucked by his teammate there. Like, that's not yeah. his fault. Or just like, hey, guess what? It was against Aaron Rodgers, and he put it in a goddamn window the size of a mouse. Like, sometimes that shit happens. You can't be like, – <laughs> yeah, he gave up a touchdown on that play. Guess what? Every cornerback in the league is giving up a touchdown on that play. It's yeah. uh, it's tricky, so. Yeah, yeah. I And I think – I, I yeah, use I mean, Madden grades. <laughs> hey, people have using part of that as your composite wouldn't be the worst. No, I I mean no. the um the other kind of the other way of trying to think about that as like a wins over replacement sort of framework. Those are out there. I just haven't tested them aggressively enough to tell you if they're useful or not. And for for pricing for forward pricing, I'm not sure. sure. Um, the um. Uh, 
I guess one other note, if you're going to go scrape a bunch of pro football reference stuff and you want approximate values, they're, they're tough to get, which is funny. Like they kind of buried them, which I laugh about. Um, and you got to normalize it for games for, for actual snaps. So you need, in order to use the pro football reference approximate value, which I think is kind of a, a little bit of a hidden edge. Um, you got to scrape snap percentage too. You... Cause that matters, you know, you're, cause it's, it's a, it's a cumulative number, right? Like you guy, like a guy can just get a big approximate value just because he played a shit ton of snaps for a team in a given season. So you can't really, you can't normal to normalize it. You need to know like what percentage of snaps they played. Sure. Well, let's call it a let's call it a podcast. We're kind of dragging nice. ass here a little bit, but like the energy. Well, Andy, we were sorry. Like we just got back from Vegas, guys. Sorry, I didn't think we were dragging ass. I thought we were kind of. I I'm I'm feeling a little tired at yeah. the end of the podcast. Maybe I'm just oh, getting okay. older. But boy, we and we stayed out pretty late. Like and again, I'm on Central Time, so I mean, we got back to the hotel like one. That's three for Andy. Andy was Andy was whooped Sunday. Was, was the guy who like was trying to watch a movie on the plane and my head snapped a couple times when I fell asleep. What'd you try to watch? Like, oh, I watched. Oh man, we don't have enough time for this. Everything, <laughs> everywhere, all at once. That's what I watched. Ah, really? that's funny. I watched that on the plane too. I need it's one I need to watch. <laughs> I need again. to watch it again. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know was, what the fuck was going on. It was a on. lot. It was like what what the one I because I fell asleep a couple times too. I was just so tired, but yeah, that was that was a trip. I would like to probably eat a bunch of edibles and then watch it again, and then maybe one time not um, high as shit. But yeah, that that movie was something. Uh, I digress. And we'll, I didn't know we'll what it was going to be at all, so I was totally surprised. And uh, yeah, I barely had enough time to watch it because we sat on the run, sat on the runway for a fucking hour waiting to take off. So, but that allowed me enough time to watch the movie because my flight was only an hour. But anyway, decent, decent. Decent uh, entertainment. Anyway, let's call it a pod. Great job. Thank you, Dan, as always. Hit uh, pod the number thumbs 500. up. We'll see you guys later. Number 500 in the book. Actually, this was 501, Andy. <laughs> oh, yeah, shit. We did two podcasts. 501. All right, see you guys. <laughs> you know, we blew right past 500. Right I can't believe we picked this.